Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates, the podcast that doesn't have a slogan, but is about (laughs) dating. I, I always must embarrass myself within the first five seconds of recording. However, we are so happy to have you here. Welcome back if you're a longtime listener. Welcome if you've just found us. That's cool. You know, this started as a project about one dater going on a bunch of dates. Now we have a new dater going on a bunch of dates, Olivia, who checks in today. Olivia will not check in, but we have a very cool interview with Jordan Sondler. We are so excited. We met her on a panel that Samantha Rothenberg of Violet Claire hosted on Valentine's Day or Valentine's Day weekend. And she was so fucking funny. We had to have her on. And she's an amazing illustrator and author of a new book, Feel It Out. I don't know. I just really, really love her. She's very like wise and mellow and like giving me all the vibes that I wish I could give to other people. Like, yeah. Wisdom with with calmness. And it's like. That's how I would like to be, and I'm not. <laughs> you you have wisdom with calm as well. I'm calm like 12% of the time. Yeah, I <laughs> it's mean, not it's enough. not either of our strong suits, but... I'd like will- to get it to like 30. That would be a nice percentage. Yeah. Um, before we get into our interview with Jordan, Kimmy, do you have any news or any weather? What's any news or any weather? You know, I'm just... It's been a sunny time out here in Los Angeles. I'm not sure. I think, you know, news and weather, we won't do a bachelor update this week but I know I'm probably in some consternation about that um we'll get into it at the end of the season we'll 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 have all our feelings I guess there's been so much dating reality tv and we've been talking about it lightly and I do think we will do bonus episodes once monthly and figure out a patreon thing so stay tuned for that but I guess I don't know I've been thinking a lot about all of this focus on finding a partner in terms of marriage and commitment, maybe because, you know, I love my partner who I found through this podcast, but marriage and commitment feels scary still. And I just think like, I've said this a million times, but I'd like us to like pump the brakes on being so obsessed with getting married. Yes. I mean, I feel like it's a, it's very, uh, between the conversation we just had with Jordan and our episode last week with Shani Silver, I feel like we are in a like pro singledom for the sake of like it being good to be single phase. And I'm just really glad we're talking about this and like giving uh, voice, not giving voice. That's like the most self-important thing ever. But like <laughs> chatting with these ladies who understand um, the importance of like building yourself yeah, and, like I w- again we just wish I had both of them in my life when I was like in some dark haze, like measuring my self worth on how single or not I was. And in our conversation with Jordan, we get into this more, but all those like weird, terrible dating things that exist in all of our pasts. But I look back and I'm like, I don't even recognize that woman. She was just so afraid to like go to coffee with a friend and have them ask her, you know, which is annoying. Like, who are you seeing and have nothing to say that I hung around with dudes who were treating me poorly. I mean, not to get so serious right now. I'm just, again, these amazing women we've been talking to lately have really kind of mind blown my 25 to, I mean, even 22 year old self, like my 20s self. Yes. Who was operating from a very different mindset. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like it's making me rethink, not that I'm not saying we're going nuts and changing the formula of this podcast or anything, but it's making me rethink a little bit how we talk about um, dating here. Because I feel like even in our secret Facebook group or in emails we get, we hear from some people who are like, well, I've been on 51 first dates and it didn't work for me and I'm, I don't know what to do and I don't know whatever. And I, I literally feel like now I have an answer to that, which is like, cool be single and like really give yourself all of the like fucking fuel you need to thrive you know like maybe it's taking yourself on 51 first dates with yourself over the course of a year like one like nice I want to do that experiment yeah or and even if it's the same first date every time 
Again, I will stop talking about it soon because the quarter is almost over, but I'm in a class right now about happiness and the research behind happiness and life design and the importance of setting up rituals. So for example, my professor and her young daughter, they before she drops her off at school or daycare, I forget what it is, every Thursday they have a coffee. I may have already talked about this, a coffee date. And her daughter doesn't drink coffee, Aww. but they have a sweet date and she never schedules anything during that time. She makes it a ritual and the act of mm. making something a ritual. So maybe instead of 51 first dates where you have to do something new every week, unless that that's also appealing um, with yourself, maybe it's like you make a ritual of seeing one friend or calling one person in your life at a certain time every week or you just make carve out in a half an hour, an hour for yourself every week and you don't ever – Unless it's something wild, like let things get in the way of that. Does that mm. make sense? Yes. I don't know. I like want to do that. I know. Like, it <laughs> feels like a life a life hack. That's our, our project. Our final project is you have to come up with a life hack for your own happiness and do it for three weeks and then present on mm. what you did. Ooh, do you know what yours is going to be? Yeah, I've already started it. And it. I, I started with a – big lofty goal that was too complicated so mine is now really simple but it is something I have never been good at I realize like the biggest thing standing in the way of my happiness is actually my anxiety I love I also love being social and around groups of people but it got kind of hard to craft something that wasn't overly complicated like regarding social gatherings so I am just meditating every morning when I make wake up with headspace I just paid for that and committed to it I've never done a good job with that and I think it's I think it's helping it's at least setting me because I wake up in a panic every morning mm. I I just never haven't um and it's giving me I'm actually feeling quite anxious today just because it's a Sunday and there's so much to do well I don't know that's how I feel right now and I'm like maybe I should just like go do a little five minute meditation again and like we're yeah. not sponsored by Headspace, so use whatever you want. But it's a really super simple thing to – it just makes me think of the morning a little bit differently so far. I yeah. don't know. We'll see. Jeff just hit his seven-month anniversary of meditating every day with Headspace, and he loves it. Wow. Okay. And he's really like he, – he has similar stuff of mm-hmm. like – I think naturally he's a high-anxiety person, and it's really like helped him out, and it's made me – want to start doing it too but I have it maybe I will start doing that too maybe that's gonna be a a thing that I do feel very inspired by Shaney and Jordan so I feel like maybe this is a a small thing I can enact now yeah do you have any news of weather now that we went down the weather the happiness thing I have no news or weather I have uh I'm trying to think if I have anything good to say it's Literally all of my thoughts right now are about reality TV, which we've talked about way too much. So we're going to save it. We will do some kind of wrap up, as Kimmy says. Um, Stay tuned for news of our batch season wrap up. Again, it may be a Patreon thing. Um, And uh, that's that's literally every thought in my head. I'm sorry to say. No, it's perfect. We have such a good interview coming up with Jordan. We just want to also say thank you. Every review counts. It's such a helpful way to support us. Um, you know, we have some sponsors, but we mostly do this for free. And it really just helps get the word out and help helps us, like, get cool placement in Apple Podcasts and then allows us to reach out to these cool guests, et cetera. So thank you all for doing that. We read them and they mean a lot. So we really, really appreciate that. And thank you to any of you who have told a friend about this podcast or who have recommended it. Like, also amazing. And all of you in the secret Facebook group, Also, thank you to you because that community is really special. And I think, you know, I know some people, this is now a few weeks ago, but came out to to try to hang out after the Violet Claire panel. But like the panel wrapped up at a different time, blah, blah. We will make a meetup when Liza and I are both in New York and we will make it happen. And it can be chill and we can just meet at a bar or whatever. But we love you guys. And it's been so special. Just I feel like we've been hearing from new listeners and old listeners lately. And it's just... Thank you. Yes, it does make our hearts feel very warm and fuzzy. So thank you so much for that. And if you do want to reach out to us, and I am sorry for this uh, transition, but please email us at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com. You can um, follow us on Instagram and DM us at 51firstdatespod. 
or please join our secret Facebook group. You can tag Kimmy or I in any of your posts. Um, we are in there. We read them. We love seeing them. And we love the really supportive, warm, kind community that you guys have built on yeah. the internet. And still, I know we don't do them as often, but like, and I think we probably have different perspectives on this, honestly, after our recent conversations, but still send your worst first date or whatever first date stories or just like the first date story you wish you had, like if it hadn't happened to you, it might have made you feel good. Email them. That's probably the best way for us to find them at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com. Okay, we're going to do a really quick ad break and then we're going to be back with our amazing interview with Jordan Sondler. And we are back with Jordan Sondler. She's an illustrator, author of the book Feel It Out, and a mental health advocate. Jordan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. We're so psyched to have you. We met Jordan last week on a panel that Violet Claire put together, one of our fave guests ever. And uh, we talked all about dating and Valentine's Day and like how it's bad and uh or you know or how it's or good or how it's meant but uh jordan was and is absolutely hilarious and we were like hi come come be a guest well, um so we're <laughs> we're thrilled you're here um so we're gonna talk all about everything you do all the cool stuff it's all gonna happen but of course we have to ask you to first tell your worst first date story or a worst first date story okay so it's really hard it's such a toss-up because I've been single for about three years now and the first year uh I was serial dating so I would go on like three dates a week sometimes damn sometimes I would do two dates a day whoa yeah I don't know how I did it uh and so I here's a story that's like not too crazy but I totally forgot about until I was sifting through my diary it's definitely like bad <laughs> um so I once went out with this guy who's a reporter for or he was a reporter for like a tabloid magazine which I found fascinating yes I mean, fascinating online when we we're talking and he would send me like good music and stuff so we got together and I thought it was going to be like the most fun. Like he would have all the celebrity intel. He would be doing all the fun things on the weekend. Like he was like the most serious person I've ever met. Like I can't, I can't remember a time when I've had so much conversation with someone online. It just absolutely didn't translate to real life. Mm. Like I'd been punked. Um, <laughs> So we sat on this date. He was also very literal. Like I would say things like, all my girlfriends are on Tinder. And he'd be like, every person you know is on Tinder. And I I got to a point where I was like, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> like that's how I would talk to him. <laughs> so wild to say that. Like, oh God. <laughs> I know. So so we went through, I don't even know. I it's hard for me to imagine us staying there for more than like 40 minutes. That's probably all it was. And we got up and we hugged and he left the bar. And before he left the bar, I was like, oh, you know, I have to go close on my tab. Like, thanks. And like, we hugged and he left, right? So then I go up to the bar to close my tab. And the bartender's like, your friend left his card. And I was like, what? Uh, he had to get out of there so fast that he forgot that he had a tab himself. So I had to text him. Oh, first the bartender goes outside to try to find him and he's gone like in a matter of seconds. And then I had to text him and say, you also have a tab to close. They have your credit card at the bar. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was just really funny because we had talked about the fact that I had to stay behind because my credit card was there. It was like, this date was equally painful for me, but I would never run away from something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like that's something that would happen in, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's so, like, <laughs> derpy, derpy. Like, this this dude just, like, running out. Did he text you back? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think he did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Not even, like, thanks for the heads up, going to come back and grab my I didn't car. stick around to see what happened either. 
Yeah, oh, that's fair. God. Oh, that's... it seems like I didn't even make my minimum for, <laughs> I didn't even make my minimum to use my card. And I was like, sorry, like some dates just aren't worth it. And that was after we realized that this guy had left his credit card. So he let it fly and still wrong me up. <laughs> the, the bartender ally on a bad date is really nice and kind, like and important. I wish I, I wish that for everyone. Yeah, it's cool. I've actually been out with a bartender once who was telling me all about that. Like how he is super attentive to women on dates to make sure that they're okay and like vibing mm-hmm. enough and not like feeling really scared in their situation, which mm. I appreciate. Yeah, that's very that's cool. Cool. And okay. I feel like that's a bartender who takes their career seriously, which they should, because it's like totally. I firmly believe like you're not just serving drinks. Like a good bartender is you know a chef's kiss we're a chef's kiss oh sorry i forgot that we're podcasting and no one can see me but i just did an italian (laughs) chef's kiss um god that's rough i mean i feel i feel like it's it's so i also as a human i don't know how to interact with serious people serious people make me really anxious i know i know and i like to i'll I have a habit of filling the space like if someone's not saying anything or we're sitting in silence I'll just keep going on even if I'm being self-deprecating or like a little funny and so when someone's super serious and like they're just not picking up on my humor and not reacting to that it's so painful Mm -hmm. no I yeah I feel that this the urge to fill the space on a date is very real and I kind of I would predict it feels that way for many more women than men, maybe. Uh, I feel like we've had a lot of listener stories where it's, you know, I'm not even sure why people stay on dates sometimes when, like, you're just not asking each other questions and there's silence. Like, why even Why even bother? It, it, it's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> My therapist has begged me to just sit there, just sit there. And <laughs> because – for a while, we weren't sure if people weren't getting to know anything about me just because I would constantly probe them or because they actually weren't curious. And so I just sit there, but it's so hard. I have to look away because I'm smiling and I will laugh if we're sitting there for more than 20 seconds, just both of us like fiddling with our drink, have nothing to talk about. It's so bad. It's always the worst moment because I feel like it shows... I don't know. I we talk Kimmy and I talk all the time on this podcast about like if they ask if if other people are asking questions or if they're telling you about themselves like unprompted and how I think that is like such a big tell about other humans. If they want to like probe deeper and get to know you or if they're looking for a set of ears to hear about them. Mm-hmm. Especially on a date cuz it's like why would you need to talk about you on a date? Like you don't, I mean, unless someone's asking you really important questions about you, which they, there should be like the, it should be like a tennis match of questions, I think. Yes. But I feel like we hear a lot about people getting on dates and like the other person just wants to be on the mic, you know, and it's like, (laughs) totally. Why are you there? Ask you a question. Like, where are you from? You know, like Rhode Island. You're like, cool. I'm from Baltimore. I live there for, and just like. 10 different facts about their childhood growing up in Baltimore. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I think we could have done this over text. And yeah. then you kind of wish that you had like a button you could press and then just be back home. Like, let's end this right here. Yeah. Completely. I We yeah. talked about this briefly on the panel, but I love the idea of like, if there was just a moment after the first drink or something, you both had to, or like after the first sip, you both had to like buzz in and like, or text someone like yes or no. And if you're both knows, they tell you and you leave. I like love an eject. Yeah. This is why I think speed dating is brilliant. Yeah. It's just too weird for anyone. Like I actually, you know, don't know anyone. You just ever some hip people to put that together. And- yeah. 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 Completely. Jordan, because you're a, you find yourself asking questions do you have any go-to questions that you're asking or like just engaging or because I do think that like filling the space is probably yeah not a great habit to get into but a lot of I don't know people are also nervous about just what to ask that's not just like do you have a sibling oh yeah yeah I mean 
it's tricky because with online dating, and that's really the only form of dating I partake in, I think like one person a year will approach me at a bar or in a social <laughs> setting or motion for me to take my headphones off on the subway and then ask me out. That literally happens once a year if I'm lucky and it doesn't yeah. Oh, that's never I mean, happened, that's happened never to me happened in my life. To me. Yeah. <laughs> it actually happened to me recently. And the really funny thing about that, this subway incident, was he acted like we had met before and started talking about a party that he saw me at. And I was like, absolutely not. But I mean, I yes and did it, you know, like I wasn't, <laughs> I like to lean into things. <laughs> Wait, I want to know more. Do you think he was lying yes. to get into the conversation or do you think he genuinely like mistook you for someone else I think he was lying just because of how like I at first I acted really confused and I wasn't so much leaning into it and I was like um oh I don't think I've ever been there (laughs) you know things like that but he just kind of kept going on like oh well I DJ and maybe it was like at this place or that place and so whatever, I just ended up giving in to him. And then he asked me my name. And then it was so weird because it was like a crowded train at 7 p.m. like on a Thursday. <laughs> so all these people are listening to our conversation. Two people who'd obviously never met each other. <laughs> and, and then he ended up asking me out. And um, that, yeah, that's never happened to me before. It sounds like something that would happen to another person. Not my life, though. Did you go out with the DJ? You know, um, something happens to me when people come over in person. I think I like black out. I can't really remember what they look like. Or maybe I never even knew what they looked like. (laughs) Does that ever happen to you? Like, I think I start seeing black. Yeah. And and then I tried to find him online because I asked him to please put his full name into my phone so I could Google him. Because... In what context do I have for this person? Yeah. It yeah. wasn't on a dating app. I don't know your age. I don't know your name. I don't know anything about you. I like, you know, I know more about the dogs I meet on the street, I feel like, than the person. Yeah. <laughs> so, Completely. I didn't um, end up finding anyone who looked extremely appealing to me online, so I did not follow up. Fair. Your question. Totally fair. All right. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like there is this weird, like, meeting in person bias that feels, I don't know, I'm always thinking if you meet in person, you're like, oh my god, well, this is the start of a rom-com, like, this is cute, you know, not that this ever happened to me, because no one, I have never had a conversation on the subway, except for, like, the people that I'm on the subway traveling with, like, no one's ever talked to me on the subway, Yeah, (laughs) but, like, yeah, it's, I feel like there is a thing about, meeting in person that has some kind of like mystique but then you're also like oh my god yeah I can't google you like stranger danger I don't know yeah I always over romanticize these situations like I was at a bar and it was the first year I started dating had like a drink or two but you know it's kind of a dark bar in Williamsburg and my friend went to the bathroom so I'm sitting there I'm swiping on tinder um as single ladies at bars do because we don't talk to strangers anymore but then a stranger comes up behind me and he asks if I would swipe right or left on him so yes or no (laughs) and uh and then I was like oh my god and we ended up having a conversation I the same thing happened to me where my eyes blacked out I don't remember what this person looked like I didn't even remember two seconds after but I was convinced that it was like magic and he sounded like he made a lot of money, which typically is not important to me, but that's like icing on top of the cake. If I could, I'm usually um, attracted to like poor artists like me. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Let's see where this goes. And he speaks Mandarin. He was there with his business partner. And then we got separated at the bar. So you know what I did? My friend wanted to leave, so we went outside because I couldn't find him, and I just, I make my location like one mile on Tinder, and I just start swiping. I just start swiping for like 45 minutes, and I'm like, I can (laughs) find this person, but I didn't even know what the person looked like. I didn't know what he looked like. Oh my God. (laughs) 
I feel like there is this magical category of people of like love of your life that you lost at the bar. I have have a couple of those where you have the best conversation. You're like vibing, whatever. And then you go to the bathroom and it's like, and you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, like you're like, oh, God damn it. They probably left after I thought it was magical conversation. But like there's a I feel like everyone's got a couple of those in their back pocket. (laughs) Like, yeah, I like to think that there are people who missed us. Like we walked out of the bar. Yeah. We didn't hear them while they were having a conversation with us that they found so riveting. Yes. Um, we're, yeah. Well, Someone about- is out there fantasizing about their magical life with us. Yeah. They're on another podcast. <laughs> 52 <laughs> first dates. Exactly. Um, okay. Jordan. So for anybody who doesn't, who doesn't know your work tell us a little bit about like this oh my god that was the most intense transition i'm so <laughs> unsmooth at being like okay next topic um but tell us everyone a little bit about your work what you do um and what what inspires you that's oh god everything i'm saying is cheesy and horrible it's, it's you know it's cheesy and horrible but we're all inspired by things and <laughs> it's a question worth asking <clears throat> i like it so uh, the thing about me and dating and so all this stuff came about like me being single um after I was in a relationship for six and a half years and my partner and I split we lived together for five of those I'd never dated before really um I had definitely never online dated it didn't really exist when I had met him and So this was like a new, weird, cool thing. And I was like living by myself for a moment after our breakup. So I was on it all the time. And I started actually making work about my dates. (laughs) I started drawing about these dates. And so I started drawing things about these dates. But, you know, my clients follow me on Instagram And I was really nervous about that. So I would only post them to my stories. So they would disappear after, you know, several hours. Mm -hmm. But it was really fun. And people really liked them. And that was the first time I started making art that was kind of about my life, like what I was going through and my emotions and being on bad dates or being really confused in dating. And truly, that's, I don't make a ton of artwork about I make artwork about dating, but I don't make artwork really about my dates anymore or specific relationships I'm in or I've been in. But that was like the start of something for me. And then after that, I kind of segued into making work that felt more meaningful to me that was more about my mental health and my emotions specifically. Not like the strange things I was subjected to (laughs) by like weird guys from the internet. Um, So yeah, I, I mean, I really thank that first year of dating for so many reasons because it's definitely helped my career. Like, it just made me realize I had to be making work that um, people could relate to and people found humorous, but also, like, just encourage them to keep going and that everyone's going through the same bullshit all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're going to get through it. And then I think it's also made me a lot stronger of a person and a lot happier to be single, honestly. Yeah. Um, we we were talking about kind of like on a recent episode how people just have – we've all equated being single with being unhappy and it's such bullshit because it's not true at all. We had on um, Shaney Silver – and we were talking – she has an amazing podcast about being single. and Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like – I was like, yeah, I want to reframe all of this. But I do think your work is like – that's that mix between like, you know, heartfelt – like we can all relate to whether it's being in a relationship, not being in a relationship, really? being in a bad place mentally with your health. It's – yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I was so unhappy in a relationship. And I still, I'm sometimes really unhappy in my life, but I don't, I mean, sometimes I want to think that it's because I don't have a partner. And I think there's something deeper behind that. There's other things. There are things that I feel like 
I'll forget. I don't need a partner for, but sometimes you think you do. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we're single for a reason. Yeah. I'm in a lot of us choose to be single. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, this is the first time I've ever had a serious partner in my life. And it's weird because it's not weird. It's totally predictable. I still have the same like anxiety and difficult times and down moments that I had before. And it's just because I hadn't been in a like long-term serious relationship, I always, I didn't think it would be a total magic band-aid, but I definitely thought that was what was making me unhappy. And it just being, looking back, that wasn't what was making me unhappy. I just have some unhappy patterns in terms of like my own mental health. It's like anything. I mean, it's like weight loss. It's like any of that stuff where you're like, this one thing is going to change my life or Mm -hmm. when I hit this thing or this amount of followers on Instagram, I'm finally going to be happy. And it's like, that's never the case. And somehow we always forget it. (laughs) Like me saying that right now in five hours, I'm going to think of something that I want that's going to like cure everything for me. And that's totally never going to do that. Totally. I have this, always have this escape fantasy where I'm like, I'm going to move to the desert and I'm only going to wear caftans and I'm like never going to wear a bra again. I'm going to be a yoga teacher. (laughs) Like, and that's going to solve everything. Like I'm going to give up all ambitions and personal belongings and whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to be anxious about my yoga teacher. It's like, yeah, you know, it's (laughs) a thing of like, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. Whenever you see that happening on a TV show or whatever with like a main character, then they go back to their like nine to five job in the office. Like they couldn't deal with that. It didn't solve all their problems. So I think yeah. we just need to watch more trash TV because it will just remind us that nothing like that is going to fix our lives. No, I know. It's, it, and what is going to fix our lives? I don't know. It's, us, it's never I guess. Us, yeah. It's <laughs> It's hard to be. I'm literally, can I go through a full episode without talking about therapy? No. I I, I bet if you listen back to to. all. I can go through a conversation without talking about therapy. Same. It's horrible because I I like can't stop myself. Like at work recently, I've just been like, well, my therapist says. And it's like, you know, (laughs) my job's pretty chill. But yeah, I'm also just like, you got to normalize it a little bit, I think. You're either a therapy person or you're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, that's, yeah. that's not to say like, <laughs> I don't want that to sound like negative, but, um, and then if you're not a therapy person, it doesn't mean that you don't necessarily go or you haven't tried it and there's nothing wrong with you. I just want to <laughs> no <laughs> liability out here. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, can you talk a little bit about your experience with therapy and relationship with therapy? Oh my gosh. Yes, of course. So I've been in therapy since I was 14. Um, and in therapy, that's how I realized I needed to break up with my partner, that Mm -hmm. long-term relationship I was in. I hadn't been to therapy in a few years and it was like the longest stretch I'd ever gone without a therapist. Once I found my therapist who I'm still with to this day, um, I was very unhappy. I was very depressed. I couldn't figure out really why. And it took me like a year and a half with her. literally I was sitting in the chair and was like, oh, I'm really unhappy in my relationship. I need to not be in my relationship anymore. And it felt like the scariest thing ever. Like thinking about how, how we separate our lives. Like I'm very young. So to be with someone for six and a half years is a pretty big deal. And our, you know, like I was such a part of his family and he was a part of mine and we had gone through so much. We had moved states together and like seen each other through a lot of things. So it just felt awful. And I don't know how I would have done it without therapy. And I don't know how I would have done it without medication because I ended up going on anti-anxiety meds Mm -hmm. and I'm still on them to this day. Yeah. I, it's... I I don't know. I really appreciate you being so open with us, first of all, about that, because I think uh, as much as we're talking about like therapy, just generally and the stigma that still kind of exists, like the same thing goes for wellness in terms of not not wellness, but like mental wellness, like getting on medicine if you need to be on medicine. And I think, you know, we talk about therapy and dating a lot, but just therapy as, as something we should 
again, maybe if you're not a therapy person, but just all look at when we're we're struggling to feel figure out what is making us unhappy because it's just it's very relatable because yeah. I think it's there's only a positive outcome, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the worst thing that happens is you don't like it and it didn't work for you, whatever that means to you. I don't, I can't see it negatively impacting your life, but I can see it like I feel like I'm a better friend, I'm a better child, I'm a better girlfriend. I haven't been a girlfriend again. <laughs> you know I'm a I'm just a better person because of therapy I'm I'm a better person to myself for sure yeah which is important yeah yeah I feel like that's always the thing it comes down to too and it's funny because I feel like that's part of the reason we talk about therapy so much on a a sensibly like a dating I'm air quoting this podcast Mm -hmm. is that like if you I feel like therapy completely changed my relationship with myself and I was like so vicious and brutal and unkind to myself constantly before I went to therapy and I had no idea that I was doing it that was just the default and so any relationship I was in it was like echoing all these horrible thoughts I had about myself back to me mm-hmm. and like that's not sustainable and I feel like the to me the thing the reason I talk about therapy so much is that I really feel like if I I was kind of like really bullied into going by an, an acting teacher which is an insane thing oh. but um, it was I went he literally was like you can't keep doing my class if you don't go and I really wanted to keep doing the class so I went that's but not- I, it was yeah he was a whole <laughs> character he, that's how Kimmy and I met in this acting class yeah um, we both had a moment it was a long time ago where we wanted to act and we actually saw the same therapist like not on purpose but because of getting a recommendation through the same acting, from this teacher. acting teacher oh my god yeah it's and so it brought us like closer. New York in the 70s yeah but I wouldn't have gone without that. And I would have never realized how mean I was being to myself because I thought I was like, I'm doing great. I'm functioning well. I did this. I just graduated college. I'm OK. Like, I'm whatever. I'm figuring out what I want to do with my life. Like, I thought I had it kind of figured out. And it really opened my eyes to how much uh, how how hard I was being on myself. And I feel like the the connection of that to dating and like trying to find like romantic and like intense emotional connection with other people like I still am it it still freaks me out that there's a world where I didn't go and like I have no idea what kind of relationship I would be in now god we can't even think about that yeah imagine where I would be today without I think it would be pretty dark honestly yeah I I'm on like It's bad. I'm not seeing a therapist right now because I moved to LA and didn't want to start over and don't love the phone, but I have been feeling it lately and I just need I need to get out of my own way and get back into therapy because it again genuine like just feeling better day to day. It's gone downhill since I stopped therapy. That's a fact and I mean Well, full disclosure, I haven't been in 2 months, which is so long for me and I was going every week and I need to but I've been ever since I came out with the book I've gotten so busy and I was traveling and a lot of things have gotten in the way or I've just like made excuses and I feel like crap right now and I like I know what therapy does for me I know when I sit in the chair after that it like resets my entire week for me it just puts me in a different headspace and I'm like I can feel so like beaten down. I can feel so, um, I don't know. Like I can just be like really um, just down about it all and like just totally resign. And then when I go to therapy, I'm like, okay, no, we're going to like flip the switch and everything can be better. I can make everything better and I just got to look at it differently. And it's really hard for me to do that for myself change my attitude without being there mm-hmm. no, yeah. I like the thought of like flipping the switch that is something I feel like I can actually do when I'm going to therapy actively mm-hmm. and I so tell us tell our listeners more about feel it out as well because it's very exciting and I feel like yeah congrats thank you I would love to tell you um so feel it out it actually started as a book about being single. And then I found out no one would want to read a book about being single. 
Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> research and, yep. um, or not enough people would want to read a book about being single. So, um, actually a lot of the content that is in the book started like as that single book and editors and other people like the powers that be were like, Oh, we're married or we're in relationships and we still relate to this. So why are you like casting such like a narrow, um, audience? Like, why wouldn't you like this appeals to anyone? So mm-hmm. I finished the, I like, I had to still make most of the book after that point so I did it like in mind uh like keeping in mind universal truths and things that make sense to me and that I felt that hopefully could be relatable for other people and I definitely saw I I posted I couldn't post the work that I was making for the book while I was making it but I would then make work that was like within the same vein that I would put online and everyone everyone started going nuts for it and feeling like this is relatable people love lists like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I figured out from this book like I think I'm just meant to write and illustrate lists for the rest of my life um so I think of feel it out as like a coming of age guide to mental health um I am not a mental health professional I'm just someone who loves therapy has seen the positive effect it's had on my life I've um, suffered from a lot of grief depression anxiety so many things um, in like really unfortunate times in my life like when I was a really depressed teen like something would hit me like my dad passed away um, I'm so sorry so, oh thank yeah. you but no, no I mean it's, it's made me like a lot stronger of a person and that's that's why um, being in therapy is so normal to me because I've been in it for so long. And um, I just, yeah, I know what it felt like before and I never want to go back. So I'm just trying to put it out there that it's totally normal to have these kinds of feelings and, and you can do things about it for yourself. If you're not in therapy, you can still like self-reflect and you can still try to make like positive changes in your life or stop beating yourself up. You know, there's like always something you can do to change your attitude or your outlook. So I don't know, or be a better friend to someone who is in crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of the gist of the book. That's what I hope it gets at. Yeah. But it's like fully illustrated and I think it's very digestible um, because I love self-help books, but sometimes they feel not super approachable yeah even just from an aesthetic standpoint I feel like self-help books some of the best ones are like from the 80s yeah and they have like the worst covers and (laughs) all the text and they're very long but it's just it's hard and I think that's where I've been seeing a lot of illustrators and artists um making this type of work and it just I think it's good to get it from a different angle sometimes yeah. 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 I do feel like all of, like, especially with Instagram, which can be such a cesspool, the, the work you're doing, people like Samantha Rothenberg, just all of the art that's now on Instagram that's so relatable. Like, that's the good part of Instagram. That's where I'm like, okay, this is what I want in my feed. I agree. And like the home furnishings. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> totally. big time. Yeah. yeah. And the dogs. I'm basic, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. And the pasta, you know. Um- yeah. <laughs> You know, on like, that page, like the popular page or whatever, I didn't realize it was catered to every individual person. Did you guys know that? I did. I did because mine's all drag queens and bachelor memes. And I was like, nobody <laughs> watches as much reality TV as me. Well, it's... literally mine is all pasta. And I oh. everyone. Fuck yeah. I don't know. I've... Maybe I need to look at more drag queens and like less fancy italian restaurants in new york and beyond i'm about that too as i you know anything that gets us away from like beautiful women in hot tubs which like i really don't want to see or need to see like people on their glam vacations yeah i'm good (laughs) yeah mine's food too mine's like and it's not just pasta but it's all food because mozzarella sticks (laughs) 
Yeah, like a truly though, like fried chicken and stuff. Like, Thank God. Thank super cute. I, I feel like this would be a really good, like funny thing to put on your hinge, like a screenshot of your like recommended Instagram <laughs> things or to start a conversation, be like, this is mine. What, like show me yours. Like no explanation. Show me yours. That's fun. I want to see that for like people I'm dating. Not that I'm dating anyone except my <laughs> boyfriend, but. You know, like that's like I want to know what you're what you're looking at on Instagram. Yeah. Well, cool. yeah, maybe I'll do that. I honestly feel like I should have a bunch of experimental dating accounts, but there definitely are people out there like that, and that pisses me off when mm-hmm. I see those. Yeah, completely. Um, so it feels a little hypocritical. All right, I'm gonna ask you like a broad question. Yes. Please. What are your opinions on? I feel like people have mixed opinions on um, when you should be dating as it regards to your mental health. Obviously, I'm sure everyone can agree that if you're in like a very dark, vulnerable place, you shouldn't be dating, right? Probably. But do you feel like dating can be a positive um, part of like a journey from like a darker place to a not darker place do you think that you should be in like a pretty good solid place to be dating do you have any feelings about that okay I'm so glad you asked me this because one I definitely have an answer that I think about a lot and two I have a funny dating story that correlates with us perfect so um I think it's really individualized like I think it depends on the person because I have realized over the years no one can tell me anything. I need to experience it myself. Like, and I think there is some truth to that. Like, that's not the worst quality, but it's also not the best. Like, sometimes my therapist will tell me something is a bad idea and I I just don't necessarily believe it. But, you know, I don't always do what my mom would do, you know? Like, something might work for her that wouldn't work for me vice versa so that's kind of my mentality and I the thing is I always learn my lessons like from my mistakes but they have to be my mistakes (laughs) that's the catch (laughs) so I will do things and I won't feel great after and then I'll remember that but if you did something and you didn't feel great I'm like well I might feel fucking fantastic after I do that um sorry a lot of swears there we, I, we love swearing and I, pro. I fucking sure relate. My mom loves swearing. She's probably going to listen to this. <laughs> um, oh my God, amazing. No, anyways, mom, I just wanted to say that, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, so my ex got into a relationship seconds after he moved out. Whoa. Um, yeah. And... Some people, you know, some people that works for her because three years later, they're still together. <laughs> um, that's not how it worked out for me. <laughs> um, but I also, I'm the type of person, I have no poker face and I, I don't, and it, by the way, this is a separate thought from what I just said about my ex. Don't, don't, um, confuse the two together one doesn't affect the other but I can't settle like I don't know how to do that like people can see on my face when I'm disinterested and I don't want to be somewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can't even settle for one date so sometimes I end dates after a half an hour and that well, yeah. yeah can you just quickly tell us sorry to interrupt but how you end them after half an hour yes I've definitely gotten this question before <laughs> Okay, so the most recent time I can think of, and guys, I'm not saying that I am, um, I'm an excellent person to model your life after. I actually really think you should not model your life after me. But the last time I did this, (laughs) I was on a date with someone. He was a non-question asker. He was a little younger than me. And I think that happened by accident because I don't seek out people who are younger than me, per se, on the apps. It was a half an hour. It was a dud date. And I had a letter in my purse. And I was like, I have to go mail something. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I nearly left to mail the thing. But I I feel like I insinuated I was going to the post office. But I literally, like, turned the block. And there was a post box. And I just dropped it in. <laughs> and then I went to a bar and I read a book. 
And I like to do things like that a lot. Like I've, <laughs> I've been on, this is like the past year, this is my attitude. So I went on a date with another person who didn't ask any questions. Like by the end of the date, he only knew the neighborhood I lived in. And I probably could tell you to this day, like the things he was doing six years ago. Um, <laughs> Oh my God. I walked him out of the bar. Like we were going to leave because I said I was really tired. I think it had been 45 minutes. And um, I waited for him to turn a corner and I went back in. I ordered a pickle plate (laughs) and a cider. (laughs) I had a lovely night to myself. And um, yeah, that's the best way I know um, to deal with a bad situation. I really like that you take yourself on the date still. You don't let the date end. I yeah, think- sometimes you just don't want to go home. No, you know? I, I, I'm a big fan. I'll like eat at a bar alone. Like I'm very oh, – I like God. being alone at a bar. It's also a great way to just – the you're single, the easier that is. Yep. And I also feel like it's an interesting – like not the traditional meet at a bar, get each other's number way, but it's just a nice way to like even meet a friend or like engage with a nice bartender, especially in your own neighborhood. You can – Become friends with that bartender. I don't know. I really. I, yeah. I just went to a bar the other night. I came home from an event that I was hosting and I just wasn't ready to be in my apartment. Sat at a bar, had a drink to myself. I'm like, I barely, like, I can't even finish a drink most times. <laughs> like, drinks are wasted on me. But something about being there, I don't care. I'll buy the damn drink. A girl walked in, sat next to me, and we talked for like an hour. And then I went home. And this is lovely. I have a new friend or even if I don't, it was just a good time. Yeah. And that's the magic now having got moved from New York to L.A. Like that doesn't exist in the same way in L.A. It it might, but not in my life. Um, And I feel like that's just like special New York. Like, yeah, they're also in New York. We have such tiny apartments. I feel like we've got to stay out of them. Like I did not have a living room in my last apartment in New York. (laughs) Yeah, like. Do you want to drink wine in the bathtub? I mean, yeah, romantic, but it's also like the only option. (laughs) Drinking the wine in your bed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like it's, uh, it's, I feel like what you were saying about not settling Mm -hmm. is the, the truest like form of self-confidence, you know, of not allowing someone to use your time or not use your time but to not giving someone the gift of your time and energy and attention if you don't feel reciprocally interested so i feel like that's really really powerful and the ex the early exit on dates like i think there's something really respectful about that so i politely disagree with your opinion that people shouldn't model their their dating style on that because i do think that if you can do it, it sounds like you're doing it kindly. You're not like, I don't like you. I'm leaving. You're like, I'm tired. I'm leaving. Like, yeah, I think it's respectful. But yeah, I mean, come on. I want someone to do that to me instead of being on a five hour date where I think we're both having a really good time. And then I never hear from that person again. Which you know? So many of my dates were <laughs> like when I would just keep going on dates. I thought we had a great time. I didn't think it was my match forever, but even like it became a theme that I would be told like I had such a great time. I'd love to do this again. Good night kiss. That meant they never wanted to see me again. Like, like I felt like people would just go through these motions, but like had a terrible time and I would just be – and again, this was my own insecurity and part of why I, I – my therapist told me to go on a bunch of dates. And I think, like, this is why she did because I – every date I would be like, it's about me. However, it was deeply confusing when someone would spend, yeah, those five hours with you and then just be like, peace, never going to text you again. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, I – there was this guy. Oh, my God. This really shook me. <clears throat> the second year – I've had, like, one guy for every year that I've been dating – that's like really rattled me and like the first couple years I would think about them for (laughs) the better part of the following year Mm -hmm. now I bounce back a little bit quicker (laughs) but there was this guy I went on four dates with in five days like he kept asking out and every day it was super intense and like we met each other's dogs he treated me to like all these meals we went to each other's apartments and 
and like the kissing was amazing and he was interesting and he seemed responsible and like had stuff figured out um and then he just ghosted me and it was horrific and he was like always pushing everything along which now I know is a red flag (laughs) for yeah super intense and like said all the right things and would like call me cars home and I don't know it was just absurd and then I never heard from him again and it killed me I don't blame you because it would feel especially with dating in New York and what it normally is like that's so different and it again has some of those like rom-com like feelings to it but yeah it's intense but it feels good to have someone intensely into hanging out with you well, I think the worst part of it is you feel like, oh, I'm a fool. I should have absolutely known that this was terrible and never going to be anything. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think thinking like that is problematic, but it's like you want to protect yourself. You want to be able to spot everything because I hate the unknown, you know? Mm-hmm. When someone's talking about your future and like what day you want to go to Trader Joe's, you know, things like that, you're like, oh, this this seems good. This seems like a great sign. This person's responsible and into me. You know, I don't want to jump in blindly, but I want to, um, like, I want to protect myself, but then I don't want to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to be open to opportunity, but then I don't want to get hurt. So, and I don't think you can have it both ways. Yeah. And the things like the situation you just described are the worst because I feel like someone, I feel like it's a special kind of manipulative for someone to be really giving and then really withholding, yeah. you know, like it, it's it to be like a little taste of like, oh, the, here's the thing you really crave, which is like connection and like drama free commitment mm-hmm. or not even commitment, like in a traditional sense, because I'm not saying the end goal of everything is to be in like a committed monogamous relationship, but like here I am. I don't have any qualms. I like you. We're connecting. Right. That's such a like delicious thing. And then someone for someone to just then be like, never mind. It's so it feels very kind of like malicious. And then also on the other hand, be so okay with never seeing or talking to you again. Yeah. It is baffling. (laughs) Yeah. And like cruel. Like it's a little like but one of those things what? where you're like, when did it become okay to treat people like this? My, I feel like most of my friends have a story like this, at least totally. one, which is just, oh, frustrating. Yeah. Then there's the other version of this that is, that I fell victim to, or I mean, I was a willing participant, but like the longer, more drawn out half relationship, situationship, whatever you want to call it, where someone's there but like utilizing they're dating you they're into you it's not just sex but also they're not willing to define it and then that's that the drawn out version of this that then when it ends you look back and you you feel the same kind of how did I let that go on for so long or how did I like yeah take that at face value I know better but alas it's hard it's hard I think a lot of it for me and I'm not pushing this opinion onto anyone else when I've been in things like that, I've not felt great about myself. I've not been in a good place because recently I ended something like that over the summer where I just wasn't getting enough. I really liked the person I could see I was never going to get enough. He didn't really want to commit. He never wanted to like define like what kind of page we were on or where we would ever go. And it was so much easier for me to cut it off. It, I mean, I was really upset. I really liked this person and it felt like logistics were mostly like standing in our way. But in the past, I would totally let something like this go on for years. But in the past, I just kind of wasn't addressing a lot of things I needed to address about myself, like ways that I felt about myself. And I'm not saying that this is the reason why these things go on for everyone, but whenever it happened for me it's been because I'm not getting right with myself yeah I completely relate and I look back and I was yeah sometimes I think I was even seeking these things out like not to punish myself but just because I was so unhappy with myself or just other things in my life like I you know I was picking like unavailable men as a pattern so it was it was a me thing as well well sometimes thinking about being alone is really terrifying and you feel like 
oh, if I'm choosing to be alone right now, this is it. This might be it. Like, this might be my last chance to not be alone. It's like, well, how likely is that actually? <laughs> yeah. And looking back, I, again, like just with the all these sort of relationships I had, none of them led me anywhere. Only when I really stopped all of the interaction with any person like that, even if we weren't still anything, did I like go on dates in a different way and finally actually meet a partner? Like it, mm-hmm. there were also life things that happened around that but I just I could have saved myself so much time like to by choosing to be alone yeah something that I learned pretty quickly like after that first year was that like the more I'm spreading my energy out like among people like if I have a few people in a rotation or I'm seeing a couple people at a time even just going on first dates with a couple of people and then seeing where it goes with each of them at the same time I never, you know, I can't really fully give anything a shot or I really can't be clear. So even though the premise of this podcast was to go on more dates, kind of to like, you know, for multiple reasons, I, you know, I, I had had like all of these sort of relationships. I had also, before we started this podcast, lost my mom after she had a 10 year battle with cancer. So like a lot of gray area there. I think I was always afraid of committing to anything. So going on these dates was like breaking a couple different patterns, also just having a project while in a state of grief. But a part of it was also to get me to take pressure off of each date. However, I never truly was like seriously dating more than one person at the same time. I was going on first dates because we had a podcast and we started having a following, but it was hard – I don't know. I I don't think I could actually give myself to more than one person at the same time as well. Just it doesn't work for me. I've had friends who have found partners while they've been out there dating a bunch of people at the same time, but I just I need clarity. I need to be like the most focused, the like most on top of my game with like picking up on all of these things, picking up on like what someone's saying, what they're not telling me, but they're telling me with their body or their actions. And I don't feel like I can be there and make like those decisions and be like so in tune with what's going on if I'm doing it with a bunch of different people. I think that, yeah, that's a yeah. really good way of putting it. Yep. I will say I had, I that's like, I was trying to date multiple people when I started dating my partner who I, I'm like, extremely he's kind of like my exactly what I wanted for myself in terms of like a lot of things mostly that he's like has the emotional intelligence of a lady (laughs) amazing can we bother that I mean like I'm truly like I we he's gonna you know what no he's not gonna get mad at me for telling the story on podcast because he doesn't care we were both watching little women and crying a lot and I just remember being like God, it just dream, man. Um, but, but I think that like, it's funny because I completely see both sides of dating multiple people because part of the reason I think I was able to start dating him and not freak out about it and also to be smart enough to recognize that he was what I wanted because when you first start dating anyone, like, and you, whenever I start dating anyone, I start to like look for everything that's wrong with them which is not cute. It's not a good look. Everyone has baggage, whatever. But I think that when I was dating multiple people, I was able to be more like, what do I like about someone instead of like nitpicking what I didn't like about them? However, Kimmy knew me during this time. I was a wreck. I I could think about nothing else. I was a disaster. It only lasted for about a month. And then I was like, ah, fuck this. Like, I can't. Like, it's nuts. However, I just like, I think there is... I don't know. There's something about not putting the pressure on things that really helped me. I love that you just told that story because it just also drives the point home that you never know how it's going to happen. You never know how you're going to meet someone. You can feel like so emotionally prepared and like you've done all the work. And this reminds me of the book. It's not you. Did you ever read that? The 27 like wrong reasons why you're single. Oh, it's like no. you can yeah. be so present in your 
in yourself. You can be so disciplined about like practicing self-care and like speaking up for what you need and still not finding someone. You can find someone when maybe you're crazy, like on the brink, on the brink of driving yourself nuts with dating. You know, you never know how it's going to happen. I think it's just like, how do you make it more enjoyable for yourself while you're like kind of biding your time? Or like, how do you enjoy being, how do you just enjoy your time to yourself? Yeah, totally. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Incredible. I mean, on that note. What a nugget of wisdom. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Jordan, it's been so great to talk to you. Um, Can you tell everyone where to find you? Yes. Please find me on Instagram. I am Jordan Sondler, and it's like Sandler, but with an O, you know, like Adam Sandler, but with an O. And um, you can buy my book, Feel It Out, in bookstores, on Amazon, really, wherever. Hopefully, wherever. Let me know if you can't find it wherever, though. (laughs) We'll link it in the show notes, too, so you can go right there and check it out. Um, go right there and go. buy it right now <laughs> yes support Jordan <laughs> well Incredible. this was very fun thank you for doing this again oh this was fun I'm sorry I feel like I have so many stories so no, maybe I'll come on like with a pseudonym at another time you're <laughs> always any time this is perfect <laughs> thank you so much you guys thank, thank you, you. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.